The Michelangelo drawing discussed in this episode was featured in the exhibition Michelangelo, Mind of the Master, on view at the Getty Center, February 25th through June 7th, 2020. We are grateful for the tremendous generosity of our sponsors who contributed to the J. Paul Getty Museum's presentation. The exhibition in Los Angeles was made possible with major funding from Joe Carroll and Ronald S. Lauder. It was supported by an anonymous gift in memory of Melvin R. Seaton and sponsored by our generous partners at City National Bank. Hello, I'm Jim Cuno, president of the J. Paul Getty Trust. Welcome to Art and Ideas, a podcast in which I speak to artists, conservators, authors, and scholars about their work. I open the book and I start going through, and sort of over halfway through, I come across this drawing of the morning woman, and I look at it, and I said, this is by, this is by Michelangelo. In this episode, I speak with Julian Stock, an expert in old master drawings, about his astonishing discovery of a previously unknown Michelangelo drawing. This drawing was featured in a recent exhibition of the Getty Museum's new acquisitions, before being shown in Michelangelo, Divine Draftsman and Designer, a monumental exhibition at the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City. Until recently, Julian Stock was head of old master drawings at Sotheby's London. In the late 1990s, while doing research in the library of the early 18th century country house, Castle Howard, he came across a drawing of a standing woman in a state of mourning. The name of the drawing's maker was not indicated, but the drawing bore the collector's mark of the distinguished 18th century artist and connoisseur, Jonathan Richardson. That gave stock pause, for Richardson was one of the greatest connoisseurs of his day. Intrigued by this fact, and by the evident quality of the drawing itself, stock began his research and ultimately concluded that the drawing was one of a small group of large-scale figure studies made by Michelangelo early in his career, likely between 1500 and 1505. This conclusion caused an international sensation. For excluding the Michelangelo drawings in England's royal collection, only four important drawings by the Renaissance master were still in private hands. Happily, the Castle Howard drawing is now accessible to the public as part of the collection of the Getty Museum. I recently sat down with Julian Stock to learn more about this drawing, and the circumstances of its discovery. Well, Julian, thank you so much for your time this morning on the podcast and for your coming to the Getty to lecture us on this Michelangelo drawing, which, until you discovered it, was an unknown drawing, as I understand it. Could you describe the drawing for us and describe also how you found it and how you came to recognize it as a Michelangelo drawing? Yes, I was working at Sotheby's, and Sotheby's uh, regularly, every five years, did evaluation, revaluation of the Castle Howard, contents of Castle Howard, Vanborough, 18th century. And I was up there valuing, revaluing all the paintings. This was a three-day job. And on the last day, um, my colleague, James Miller, had finished. So he thought he'd pop into the library and spend some time in the library because he'd got nothing to do. He'd finished looking at his pictures. I was still working away looking at old master pictures because Castle Howard has a lot. And he pulls this large volume out because there's nothing written on the spine. Now, why do you think James Miller pulled it out of the spine? Well, in every, almost every English country house, you would have 
large books with nothing written on the spine because usually there was something naughty and Japanese in it, <laughs> if you get my meaning. So anyway, he pulls it out and there are all the drawings. So he comes up to me in one of the other rooms and says, oh, Julian, I've just be I've been in the library. I pulled out this scrapbook and it's full of old master drawings. And I sort of swear at myself and say, you know, damn. And... Um, Say so, okay, I'll was Castle Howard famous for its drawings as well as its no, paintings? Not, not at, at all. all. No, no, no yeah. it d doesn't really. So it was, have it any was drawings. a surprise in itself so, that there was an album of drawings. We didn't know, and this, after all, as I've just said, this is a revaluation, but not once a revaluation, three times. So three times it was missed. You would have thought the book department, because the books would have been done, would have pulled it out and seen that there were drawings in, pasted into it, or you know, drawings on mounts. <clears throat> so I sort of curse and say, OK, I'll go and have a look at it. And I open the book and I start going through. And sort of over halfway through, I come across this drawing of the morning woman, very gothic in, in the 13th, 14th century type of drapery, very classical. And I look at it, and I, I won't tell you exactly what I said, but anyway, <laughs> it, it was pretty... I was very excited, and I said, this is, by, this is by Michelangelo. Not because you knew that it existed, but because you knew by the look of it that it had to be. I mean, exactly. this, this was an unknown drawing until yeah, this you discovered is an, it. Yes, yeah. so it's just the way it was drawn made me immediately think of Michelangelo. Yeah. Uh, I know the drawing's been described as the most important Michelangelo to be discovered in living memory. What, what makes the drawing so important? Well, I'm not sure about living memory, but I would say, well, it's an early work. So in a way, it's a teenage Michelangelo. So he's probably 18 or 19, at the most 20, 21. So it, he's, he, it's that young. And there are only five drawings of this type that exists. And for example, Italy, the whole of Italy has no drawing like this. There's one in the Albertina, which is double-sided. There's one in the Louvre. There's one in the British Museum that I knew very well because when uh, I joined Sotheby's all those years ago in 64, every morning, it was such a civilised company then as it was privately owned, every morning I was told, you go to the British Museum and you look at drawings. We have employed you to become a drawing expert and by jingo, that is what you're going to do. So every morning I went to the BM and I knew the British Museum Michelangelo drawing. Oh, yeah. So when you saw it, you saw it as in relationship to those particular drawings or did yeah, you just the say the same kind of ink, the same kind of paper, the exactly. same kind of pen, I yes. suppose, because it's same, a pen and Same ink. kind of pen, same kind of hatching and cross-hatching. But of course, my colleagues who were there said, oh, you know, come off it. Right. You know, don't be ridiculous. Impossible know, to Michael find a new Michelangelo, Michelangelo drawing. drawing in it. You know, go home. So, but of course, and of course, that's when my work began because then I had to think very carefully, how can I get everybody to agree with me yeah. that it's by Michelangelo? Well, before we get to that, could you describe the drawing to us, um, yes, what, it, what it looks like? It's a profile of a mourning woman. She's got a shawl over her head, and she's obviously sad. She's in profile, um, in very classical um, drapery, very gothic drapery that you get in artists like Giotto and Masaccio, that Michelangelo was very um, 
occupied with at that time. He, he admired, understandably, Giotto and Masaccio and other early 13th and 14th century artists. So he made lots of copies of them as a young man, as a 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old young man. That's what he copied. And, and not sculpture, but No, not paintings. sculpture, yes, because some people find this very sculptural. I don't find it personally no. very sculptural. But clearly when he was looking at these other artists to draw after them, he was interested in the volume of the figures they were painting. Precisely, So there's yes. something sculptural about the paintings, Painting, in effect. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And, and this this very heavy, this very stoic, you know, there's no movement in this drawing. This is a, a, a figure which is standing, very solid. It's, that's where also it's very Michelangelo's because she, and I'm sure it is a woman, is a very powerful woman with large arms and, you know, she's rather like Sebastian del Piombo's women as well, who was a friend of Michelangelo. You know, when you look at Sebastiano del Piombo's faces and some Michelangelo's as well, they're very male. They're not pretty, pretty females. Yeah, right, right. So, so you you so you look at this drawing and you you know that there are four or five others that might have some relationship to it. Right. Do you take pictures of the drawing with you to then compare with the other drawings? And then, what is the process by which you plot out how you're going to convince other people that it is in fact by Michelangelo? Exactly. Well, that took quite a long time because one, uh, I knew that the British Museum drawing, which is of a philosopher, we think it's a philosopher, we're not sure, but it's a, it's definitely a man made me think immediately of this drawing. I put two and two together. I was allowed by Castle Howard to take the drawing from Castle Howard to Sotheby's in London. And we took it out of the book because it was still on the same mount when I took it out of the book and photographed the whole book, all the drawings in the book. And then I started work on it when I had time because I said to Castle Howard, I can't do this in, you know, this isn't a two-day job. This is a maybe a five- or ten-year job because I've got to show it to people. So I went to the British Museum, of course, and showed it to the British Museum, and they were positive but not 100% certain. There's always a certain amount of jealousy I guess, but also reluctance to accept something by a major artist. You know, are you really sure? Could it be by Baccio Bandinelli, for instance, who can be confused? And on the back of the mount of this drawing, there are shelf marks when it was in somebody called Jonathan Richardson's collection, and he has BB, which, of course, some people Baccio would say, Bandinelli. oh, Baccio Bandinelli, yeah, it right, must be. Right, right. You know, so... One has to be ready for the negatives when people throw them up at you. For example, also this drawing has white heightening, rather like your, well, I suppose nobody uses it now, Tipex. You know, when mm -hmm. your secretary was typing and there was a mistake and you would Tipex over with white and then yeah. draw over. So th they would say, oh, but that white is added later. Well, in this, in, in now, the, as let's call it the Getty drawing, the, the white is not uh, added later. It's absolutely by Michelangelo because there's underdrawing um, line in, in brown ink mm -hmm. and also over the white there is brown ink, which is absolutely consistent. Um, her left arm and elbow... Michelangelo has uh, obviously been dissatisfied with his original pen and ink part of that drawing. So he's 
covered it with white so that he can draw over it to get the form that he wants. So the white heightening here in this drawing is a correction. So you photographed all the drawings in the book itself, yes. and you knew of four or five others that might be comparable to this drawing that would help you convince someone that this yeah, drawing right. is indeed by Michelangelo. Uh, was there a provenance that was helpful to you? We know that you mentioned Richardson. Richardson yes. owned it at one time. Well, Richardson owned it one time. So, of course, I looked up the Richardson sale catalogue. But, of course, there you would just have, um, you know, a group of ten drawings or two drawings, one by Michelangelo, for instance, and one by Salvato Rosa sold together. Or, you know, three Michelangelo and two Agostino Carrera. It was just a big big, big jumble. And I thought, as the mount, the Richardson mount is cut, because normally it would be 22 inches by 16 is the standard mount size that everybody used in the 18th century, 19th century, 20th century. We still use it in, in Britain, 22, 16 is the, is the size. And this mount had been cut. So often Richardson would write on the back of the mount he would give a description or say what he thought it was. And there's nothing on the back of this. And so I thought, now, that's in a way strange. But, yeah. you know, did Richardson actually know that he owned a Michelangelo? I'm not so sure. Yeah, for our podcast listeners, tell us about Richardson briefly. I mean, he's an 18th Rich century collector. Yeah, he's an 18th century portrait painter, um, English, and he had a huge, enormous collection of drawings. And they were all sold in the 1760s. And everybody at that time, English aristocrats, were actually interested in old master drawings and old master prints and old master pictures. So they were buying. So Howard, uh, Henry Howard, purchased this drawing I think, in the sale. Although we, we know that Howard bought it because in the Victorian Albert Museum, there's a marked catalogue, semi-marked catalogue, where a Howard was buying in that sale. So one assumes that it must have been the same Howard. So it's been in the same collection that is at Howard, Castle Howard for 225 years or yes, something? Yes, something like that. Yeah. Yes. And, and not remarked upon in any one no. of those 225 years. And also on the back of the mount, I noticed these things don't always come immediately. You know, sometimes you're doing something else and you realise some the penny drops somewhere and you, you, you scoot left instead of carrying on straight on going right. But on the back of the mount, there are acid stains. Now the acid stains meant that it was definitely framed, because when people framed things in the 19th century. Orange boxes were usually used because they were the cheapest form of wood because it was just a backboard holding the drawing and the glass in the frame. And the resins in that wood that was used for the orange box would eventually, after time, go into the mount but protect the drawing, which was so good because they were using that this mount is on a pure rag, not on a paper, on a, uh, a non-rag card. So I thought, now, it's been framed at one time. Now, don't tell me it, they didn't realise that it was by Michelangelo. So I spent then three or four days going in the dungeons of Castle Howard, going through all the archives, trying to find any mention of Michelangelo. I couldn't find anything. 
So I found absolutely nothing about it. So we know that it was framed. We know that somebody must have looked at it. It's still in wonderful condition. I mean, it's probably one of these six early drawings which is in the best condition. So when you looked around at the six other drawings, and they're all in museums, not Mm, one in private hands, so they all have a keeper in charge, a curator and a conservator who's worked with them. Uh, So they have some considerable knowledge about those drawings. Exactly. Did they, other than the British Museum, which you've described to us, had some skepticism about the drawing? How did the others respond to the drawings? Well, um, I I didn't really want to show it to many people because I wanted to publish this because I thought, I'm never going to make another Michelangelo discovery, so I better keep quiet. So I would go with a photograph, a very good photograph of it, and look, go to the Albertina and pull out that drawing, go to the Louvre and pull out that drawing, go to Munich and pull out that drawing, and just show them the photograph. Obviously, I couldn't take the drawing, because it, not that it was, at that time, authenticated. So there was still a question mark on it. You know, it could still have turned out with everybody saying, no, we don't think you're right and it's just a copy or, in our opinion, it's not good enough. In which case, you know, it goes back to Castle Howard and it's just left in the book until the next person comes along. So I was very careful uh, with who I showed it to. And also there's a very good corpus by uh, a Michelangelo scholar called Tolnai who did a four volumes of facsimile, wonderful facsimiles, a little bit red in the reproduct, but wonderful. So you could put it next to there and compare and be sure because I wanted to look at it many, many times in different moods because one day you're in a good mood and you think one thing and <laughs> one you're in, when you're in a bad mood, you have another. You know, your eyes or your, your mood changes your feeling towards a work of art. So, and among these people you, to whom you showed the drawing, were there some academic-based yes, scholars? I showed it to John Gere, obviously, who was then at the British Museum. And Philip Pouncey, both Michelangelo, Michael Hurst saw it, who's probably the most brilliant person who's sadly just passed away. And Conrad, of course, saw it because. What did he say? He thought absolutely. So you're you're getting opinions from from others who either question or confirm your guess that it's Michelangelo, and then you want to publish it? Is that the next step in the process? Well, no, then I still hadn't really finished everything. And I, because. I thought, and I still think, that this is, as the other drawings, you know, they're, they're all after Giotto or Masaccio. Um, you know, there's one double-sided drawing. So I'm talking about four and one in Shanti, five drawings. And this is re- really the sixth. And these all have this incredible monumentality of drapery. They're all, if, if you look at the Giotto frescoes and Masaccio frescoes, you, you know, it fits perfectly. There can be no question that that's what he's been seeing. Now, if Michelangelo, as a young man, and we know that he never stopped drawing, but we also know that he destroyed hundreds, if not thousands of his drawings, burnt them even. So, we have six drawings after six figures in these, in, of these frescoes, but you know, where are all the others? So it's quite possible that this is for something, you know, it is a copy after something, not necessarily the, the works by Giotto, Masaccio and other artists of that period, 
13th, 14th century. But other people, because he went to Siena, he went to Prato, you know, he travelled all over the place. Normally, but to help help you in this process, you would have found a particular source for it, and you could say, ah, this drawing is after yes. this particular painting. Or you'd find a painting by Michelangelo or a sculpture by Michelangelo for which the drawing would be a study. But you found neither no, of those. I didn't. And in fact, Paul Joannides, who is a very eminent professor, of Michelangelo as well as Raphael, Cambridge University, was a friend. And he came to stay in a a flat that I had rented when I was living in Florence. And I had a photograph of the drawing. And he looked at the photograph and said, oh, what is, this is fantastic. This is Michelangelo. I said, yes, it is. But he said, oh, you know, he was very excited. So he said, could I have an image of it? I said, Paul, you're not allowed to reproduce it. So I gave him a, an image of it and I put a cross through it. I said, you're absolutely not allowed to publish it. And not long afterwards, Paul discovered in the Louvre uh, a 16th century drawing after this drawing. And as you know, it's cut along the bottom and it's exactly the same. So this is a drawing that he we we disagree on the attribution, but it's got to be a drawing of around about 1530, this this other copy, this copy red of your the copy Michelangelo of drawing. This, of this yeah. very drawing. So here's and dra- cut. So here's the drawing that by the, later in the 16th century, or was it Yeah, 17th, much later, yes. Because this is 1490. Seen it, I, drawing after yeah, it. I think this could be, you know, 1485, 86. If everybody accepts the Kimball Museum Torment of St. Anthony painting, which supposedly Michelangelo painted when he was in Gerlandai's studio at the age of 12, which is a pretty good picture. But, I mean, how you can be certain whether it is really the Michelangelo that is recorded, because apparently there was another... A version of that painting uh-huh. known at one time. But if it is, it means that we have about two to three years of no work by Michelangelo. We don't have anything by him because everybody's saying that this drawing, the earliest this drawing gets given is usually, you know, in the 90s. So if this picture is accepted, then... There's a lot of time there. There are a few years. And Michelangelo, we know, I mean, it's, he never stopped drawing. He never stopped looking. He travelled everywhere. Yeah. For example, he goes from Florence to Bologna, works in Bologna. We know that. Then he goes from Bologna to Venice. Well, we have nothing of his Venetian sojourn. We don't know what he did or anything. But Padova is on the way. So there's no way he wouldn't have stopped at Padova. <laughs> well, since we don't know this drawing is related to a particular painting no. or sculpture, what would be the purpose of the drawing? And tell us about the process by which uh, Michelangelo undertook drawings in his youthful period. Well, in a way, the copying at that time and later in the 16th, 17th and 18th century, copying works by earlier masters than the antique was part of your education. So... You did it because of your passion and your love and excitement of looking at paintings by Giotto and um, looking at Donatello, looking at everything around you and taking notes. There were no cameras then. There were no, after all, were there? You know, so people drew. So that's why I think he, he made copies of all these figures in the frescoes because he wanted to absorb them. 
Did he carry with him sheets of paper and pen and ink? And, and I think and, he did. And well, then how did, how did, if he's traveling so far, how does he then make the drawing and what does he keep yes. it in and how does he bring it back to Florence? Well, you know, that's a good question. Michelangelo, when he was in, in Florence, of course, would just go to the chapel and make yeah. a copy and yeah. sit there, I guess, and make the copy. Um, so, um, how, how many drawings by Michelangelo do we know? Uh, that's a, a sort of uh, maybe four, no, it's sort of 400 or so, I think, yeah. 490. Yeah. yeah. So that's clearly a fraction of the great many number he made. Absolutely, yeah. yes. He destroyed thousands of drawings. Yeah. Was he consistent in the materials he used, particular period? In other words, if you looked at these, this drawing, you'd say that's an early drawing because only in the early drawings did he use this particular kind of materials. Yeah, n- not necessarily the material, but the way he drew. This drawing, similar to other drawings of this early period by by Michelangelo, have very, very f- refined, fine cross-hatching in two-coloured inks, brown inks. One is lighter than the other one. And they're very precise. You could almost say that they are like a computer drawing. So that hatching that we call it, which is lines going from from right to left and then lines going from left to right and lines going, you know, horizontally or diagonally, um, is the way that this is drawn. Then he became freer. You know, he became more serpentine and, and the figures were moving by 1503, 1505. At 21, for example, when he was 21, he goes to Rome with a, a letter of introduction to Cardinal Riario. And now, when an artist like Michelangelo, who was looking for work, looking for commissions, he would certainly have taken some drawings with him. And that's why I think this drawing and the one that I compare it with, the British Museum drawing of the standing philosopher or academic or doctor, I think he took both of them to Rome. One, because we have, there's in the Farnese Hours, that beautiful small book done for Cardinal Farnese by Giulio Clovio of 1530s, that sort of date. You have, and this figure in reverse, where Giulio Clovio is copying this, he must be copying Almost certainly, this image. But if it's in reverse, would it have been traced as opposed to drawn? No, I think. Why would you draw it just, in reverse? Do you think? Well, because this figure, when I first saw it, I thought it must be for a Christ on the cross, but it's not for a Christ on the cross because you normally have Christ on the cross. You have on the right Saint John the Baptist, and on the left you have the Virgin. Well, you couldn't possibly have this on the left, and I checked again. I went through hundreds and hundreds of images of Christ on the cross because I wanted to be absolutely certain that I wasn't making a fool of myself. Mm. It's very easy to make a fool of (laughs) myself. And what's fascinating about the British Museum drawing is that on the back of the British Museum drawing, because paper then was considered an expensive commodity and you took great care, you used every square inch. And on the back of the British Museum drawing, there is a black chalk head for the Sistine ceiling. So that means that that drawing must have been part of the portfolio that Michelangelo took when he was 21 to Rome to show people, this is how good I am. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll show you, I'll carve you a figure. 
and give me a piece of marble and I'll do something in the next sort of couple of weeks and you'll be shocked. Yeah. Were his drawings valued in his lifetime by collectors? Yes, very much so. So they're very early collections of his yes, drawings? Yes, well... Uh, well um, of distinction? Pietro Aretino, that blackguard, you know, was would, would write him and say, you know, if you if you don't send me a drawing, I'm going to say horrible things about you and say that you're a rotten, you know... <laughs> yes, a little bit of, of blackmail. Aretino actually there. wrote a life of Michelangelo, we think. No, Aretino didn't, but, but the people that did Condivi and Vasari, of course, yeah. writes a uh, lot about him. Uh-huh. So he had some threatening power over a, an artist who wanted to be recognized. Exactly. And they want, but Michelangelo, was, he, was very, he was very protective of his work. After all, we mustn't forget that that naughty Raphael, nobody, nobody really criticizes Raphael for it. But Raphael bribed his way into the Sistine ceiling because Michelangelo had given the strictest instructions. No one is to see my unfinished frescoes in the Sistine ceiling. They should just get, they're not allowed in. Raphael gets in, he (laughs) bribes him. Well, you know, that's a bit naughty, isn't it? (laughs) Uh, Was there a time, any time when Michelangelo's drawings weren't collected or they weren't valued as the intimate markings of a genius? No, they, I think they were. Uh, they would always have been collected. They would always be wanted, and and valued uh, highly, highly yes, by others. Yes. And and he let them go, or what? How did they get no, out of his well, studio? Some of them were stolen. There are drawings that uh, were stolen from him, and some of them, like now the Getty drawing, I think he probably gave to somebody like, say, the banker. There was a banker called um, Galli, and Galli commissioned him to do things. And it would be quite understandable for Galli, who had a collection, a wonderful antique sculpture. He would have had other things. And he would have had probably drawings. And he invited artists like Giulio Clovio. Uh, this is my fantasy, by the way. Um, you know, Giulio Clovio, they would have been in discussion. So people would have seen this drawing. Other artists like Salviati must have seen this drawing in somebody like Galli's collection. And then they were said, oh, this is by Michelangelo and it's fantastic and, you know, let's make a copy of it. Is it likely, now getting back to the provenance of the, of the drawing, is it likely that it would have gotten to Richardson without others knowing it? There wouldn't be textual evidence of someone remarking upon the... I suppose it is, although, although I find it, you know, I find it very hard to believe. That's why it's so strange that here I am, Castle Howard, doing a revaluation, opening a book finding this drawing pasted into the scrapbook with nothing, no, no sign of Michelangelo on it at all. And, and so, so I'm going to get back then to the, the, how you get confirmation this is by Michelangelo. So you've shown it now. We've talked right. about the finding of it in the Castle Howard. We've talked about the role of drawing in the work of Michelangelo. We've talked about the people then with whom you've shown the drawing, that there are four or five others that might be similarly yes. of the same period and therefore related in time, if nothing else, to this drawing. Uh, how, did it, how did you get it published and in what form was it published? Well, actually, there was an amusing story. I used to be chairman of the paper conservators and I'd given it up, but they kept sending me their, you know, what's going on. And... I had it at home at one time when I was writing my short article on it. And I had it in rather like here in the in the, the sunlight was shining over my shoulder and it was shining on the drawing. And I saw the there was pulp in the paper, in, in this drawing's paper. And I thought, hey, 
when you have pulp in the paper, it usually means that it's blue paper. And uh, blue paper is Venetian. And as far as I remember, I, I'm thinking, you know, I was thinking sort of immediately, you know, I've seen these, it, rather like the, the bits, you know, in your freshly pressed orange, those bits that, you know, children don't like, but we like. And they're in the paper. And I thought, oh God, you know, this could be on blue paper. And as far as I know, Michelangelo never, there's no drawing on blue paper. Negative. You know, somebody will say, ah, but it's on blue paper. It can't possibly be by Michelangelo. We should, for the podcast listeners, point out that there's no evident blue tint to the colour of the the paper now. Of of the now, no. Well, there is actually under certain light, but it fades, of course. The paper can fade, yes. So when this paper conference came, I said to Castle Howard, I've got to take the drawing over to the paper conference and I'll join a group where we're looking at blue paper. So there was, in fact, a group of scholars, paper conservators working on blue paper. So I take it to Toronto, show it to, we examine, everybody examines it and think about it. I say, I think this is Michelangelo, but it's on blue paper. And as far as I know, Michelangelo never used blue paper. You know, can you confirm or, or deny that is it or isn't it? They couldn't find out. So I'd come back to London with nothing so then yeah, sorry so you didn't you weren't able to confirm that it was blue no, paper no no what but then what peter bauer who is a paper historian said bring it to the victorian albert museum conservation department and we'll look at it again there and we'll just lift a corner of the drawing to see and hey presto this drawing is laid down on a piece of blue paper so it's not on blue paper, it's laid down on blue paper. So again, the doubting Thomases, oh, it's on blue paper, oh, it's not by Michelangelo, uh, uh, hold on a moment, it's not, you know. So I, I was ready to shoot them down. Yeah, I thought you were going to say that when they lifted up the corner of the paper, you would have found that the underside of the paper, the side of the paper that wasn't exposed to light was blue. No, no, it was, it's actually laid, it, the drawing is on, on oatmealy paper as it is now, and it's, it's underneath, it's blue. Uh-huh. So, so you're, you're, you're trying to prove um, a, a negative here. You've proven yep. that it wasn't on blue paper, so exactly. that's good. So that's good. So, so what's the next So step? then I was free. Then I thought, I think I've done all my homework properly. I don't think anybody can shoot me down. So I wanted to publish it with a very good reproduction. And there used to be this marvellous magazine produced in Italy called FMR, Franco Maria Ricci, and he did one, he does wonderful reproductions. And I thought, I'm not going to go to the Burlington or Master Drawings because, you know, they just won't give me, I want the very best reproduction so that when people judge it, they're going to judge it correctly. So we went to a lot of trouble and they did a marvellous job and Hey Presser was published. And I even had, there's one German scholar called Alexander Perig. And um, Professor Perig is a very negative about a lot of drawings by Michelangelo, saying that by Benvenuto Cellini and other artists. And he wrote me a letter saying, what a wonderful early drawing and congratulations. It's a great discovery. So even <laughs> the doubting Thomas yeah, Perry yeah. himself said yes. Yeah. So, so there was general acclaim, maybe some outliers, but general acclaim about the drawing. How quickly from that moment of published evidence that this was a Michelangelo drawing 
to the sale of the drawing? How much time took place? There were two, actually, it was too short a time, in my opinion, because when something new like this is discovered, there are always people that are a little hesitant about you know, they want to hold back. They're not, they like something that has got a long provenance and are we really certain? Is anybody going to change their mind? And unfortunately, at that time, Simon Howard, who was in charge of the house, was getting a divorce from his wife. And, well, you know the story afterwards. So this was one of the items that had to be put on the market. So I was very sad, in fact, that it had to be sold. So, but anyway, Was that was a year sold. later from, that was about, from publication? Um, yeah, about a, one or two years yeah, afterwards, yeah. yes. And was there great, obviously great interest in the drawing because was. it was proven to be Michelangelo's mm-hmm. drawing? And we know that the British government can put a stop on the export of a drawing as important as this. Why was there not, was there a stop put on it? And no, then, they didn't put a stop on it, partly because the British Museum do have... So many. Well, one, there are so many Michelangelo drawings in, in Britain, so, you know, we mustn't be too greedy. And two, we have that one very fine... Uh, a drawing which I compare this the the Getty drawing to now, with um, you know the two go hand in hand. In fact, I would have liked this drawing to have been bought by the Italian government and given to Casa Buonarroti or the Uffizi because Italy doesn't have a drawing of this type of an early drawing like this. No, they oh, don't gosh, have an yeah, early yeah. drawing. So where was it sold? It was sold at Sotheby's in London, and um, it went very well. And, was there um, great excitement about it? Yeah, there was, yes. Yeah. In yes. the room itself? In the room, yes. Huh. But, you know, everybody normally sits on their hands before they don't want to be seen bidding, you know, so they were waiting. And in fact, this uh, the anonymous collector who you've just bought this wonderful group of drawings from bought the drawing in the sale. Was the drawing um, shown publicly? Uh, yes. At the sale it was, certainly. But after the sale, was it immediately into exhibitions? And was yeah. it, has it been a, a, an exhibition history that's it, prominent? It went to... Because before it was going to be auctioned, I was trying to get somewhere in Florence to exhibit it. Um, but that fell through because whatever, you know, I can't remember why it fell through, but anyway, it fell through. Uh, and I don't think it did go on any travelling exhibition anywhere. No, I don't think it didn't go to Japan, didn't go to, didn't come here. Yeah. So I think it just stayed in London for people to see. So the only time that it's been shown publicly, you think, is in the recent Met exhibition of Michelangelo yeah, and the Vienna one. About two years ago now, there was a, a Vienna exhibition. Mm-hmm. Well, it's fantastic that you found mm-hmm. this drawing. It's fantastic that it's here in the Getty and that you came to talk about the drawing. So we thank you for all of that. And thank you for this time on the podcast this morning. Well, it's been a pleasure. Our theme music comes from the Dharma at Big Sur, composed by John Adams for the opening of the Walt Disney Concert Hall in Los Angeles in 2003. It is licensed with permission from Hendon Music. Look for new episodes of Art and Ideas every other Wednesday. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Play Music. For photos, transcripts, and other resources, visit getty.edu slash podcasts. Thanks for listening. <laughs>